Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Suggestible Pod it is. time. It always is. It's always a Suggestible Pod time on this podcast. And that's why we do a show where we say, hey, we've been watching some things. We've been reading some things. We've been doing some things. We've been saying some things. Correct. We've been walking some things. We've been talking some things. We've been chalking some things. <laughs> We're like your personal shoppers for Netflix and other assorted things, including eatable things, which I have this week. I also have a cold. I'm Claire. You're James. We're married. Should we get on with recommending them some stuff? They don't want to hear this banter. I think we should. Have you ever had a personal shopper? No. Mm. You have. Me and your mother. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing because that's actually very true. (laughs) I buy all my own clothes now because, Claire, I'll have you know that you can just buy them online and you have to interact with everybody. Yeah, which is why you ended up with two pairs of cargo pants and military boots that make you look like a G.I. Joe that you're about to look. They're really comfortable. And then with the farm, you wear like checkered farm shirts, so then you look like you're about to work on a farm except you've never worked a manual labour day in your life. They're not military boots, they're just boots. Like hiking boots, they're getting around boots. Okay, let me paint a picture for on. you, Lisa. They are black with they're laces. Black. They're like ankle boots. They're great. Okay, well, charcoal. And they're like lace up all the way. He d- his dad, who actually did work um, as a farmer and knows things, said to him, why didn't you go to Bunnings and get the workman's boots that have a zip on the side so you don't have to keep lacing them up like a fool? And you said, I hadn't thought of that. No, I did because think Because... Because I don't want to buy You've my never worked a day in your life. My shoes from Bunnings, fucking Bunnings of all places. It's a hardware so, chain. Bunnings store. should change its name to Dropkick City. <laughs> okay, I love Bunnings. Anyway, off topic. Right. Yes, this episode is definitely not sponsored by Bunnings, though I do love them. I love Bunnings. It's my happy place. Okay, side note, extra story about to prove my point. <sighs> I don't know how we got into this, but I will continue. You rang me the other day because I asked you to mow the lawn and yes. you rang me and said, I can't find the lawnmower and I said, it's in the shed and you said, we have a shed? No, I knew we had a shed <laughs> but I'd forgotten. No, because you I, never go in there because yeah, all of the said, tools that we own are mine but, all of, and I have set the whole thing up. You don't even know what's in to there. To clarify, I'm when you said we have a shed, I didn't then go, What? I remembered at that point we had a shed, so I did forget. But when you reminded me, I did remember that you we had have a never, shed. Can you admit that you had never actually looked in that shed? I've looked before? in that shed. It's just got like potting mix and like a rake and, and shit. Tools I don't know. And a shovel and a, a lawn aerator. I'm not doing that shit. And like big secateurs and a hammer and my toolkit. You know why I don't like doing any of that lawnmower shit? Lawnmower and hay for the garden. Because my family for probably like 2,000 years did that shit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm staying indoors. I don't want to get out there. And you know why? Because also I don't care. Like let everything overgrow. Good. It should. Why does everything have to be neat and tidy? Why do we have to mow our lawns every week or Why whatever? Why do you have to cut your beard and order ridiculous clothes online? Anyway, this is beside the point. Let's get on with this suggestible, my friend, my soft hand friend. <laughs> I got very calloused hands, Claire. <laughs> from working out from, in a from gym. My, from, in my indoor gym. 
But, okay, so do you, are you familiar with Calvin and Hobbes? I'm sure you are. No. Calvin you know Ho- how much I don't know You know Calvin things. and Hobbes. It's, an, it's a cartoon. It started in the 80s. It ended in like the early 2000s, I want to say. It's no. by Bill Waterson. It's about a little boy called Calvin. He's got spiky hair and he's got a pretend tiger friend and they go on adventures. It's not Calvin the Chipmunk. No, it's not Calvin. You're thinking of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Which is an excellent cartoon and show, by the way. No, it's not. I love actually. that. Theodore with you the glasses. You know Calvin and Hobbes. This is Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah, I've kind of seen it around. Yeah, anyway, I never watched it. Bill Waterson created it. has anyway, got a tiger. He's blonde. Yeah, it's, but it's not just like your standard like Garfield kind of comic. It's, it's, it's like, it says something, and it was incredibly popular, and the guy behind it, he never, he never sold out. Like, he just, so that's why you don't see any like merch for it or movies or anything, even though there could be because it's hugely popular. Anyway, the reason I talk about that is because in that it's about a boy and he's got a lovely family and he's got a, a, an imag- a stuffed tiger which he imagines to be a real tiger and they go on adventures. Anyway, Mason recommended this comic to me last year and the second volume has come out this year. It's called Spencer and Locke. It's by David uh, Papose. I like how you said that, Papose. Well, that's his name. I propose that you find out where the shed is. I don't know why I'm standing like Mason now. Sorry. I know. I, mean, I have a cold. I, now I know where it is, but if I ever forget, I'll know who to call. Okay, anyway, go back to your stuffed tiger and your little boy story. Okay, so, but this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're, you're mean when you're sick. I know. I just haven't seen the light of day. I, I haven't got out in my garden today. Yeah, you know what? Get out there and dig yourself a grave and bloody lie down, mate. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. Maybe I will. Yeah. Anyway, who will mow your lawn then? Spencer and Locke. I don't know one ever, but Spencer <laughs> and Locke, right? Is uh, it's it's basically it's kind of like a, a a knockoff of Calvin and Hobbes. Where what if uh, Spencer and Locke, when he was a kid, this boy was like he had bad parents, like he was uh, he wasn't treated very well, and his parents were mean and like abused him or whatever. And he grew up and he kept the imaginary tiger as a mate. So his his imaginary friend is called Locke, and it's a seven foot tall blue talking panther. But what's happened to this guy is, as an adult, he's become a detective and he goes around solving grisly murders with the help of an imaginary seven-foot-tall panther. So it's this crime noir story of this dude with this imaginary friend that nobody sees, also isn't real. So he's cra- Like he's gone mad. Yeah. Like he's, he's clearly Does he broken. walk down the street going, walk like a man? No, Talk it's not like, like the movie Heart and Souls Talk with Robert like Downey Jr. But the thing about... Having I'm really sick. The so thing about sorry. uh the thing about him having Locke is he's actually really helpful because he kind of gives him like confidence and like physical strength in a way when he knows him there. He'll Locke has his own personality. Knows that he's there. Yeah. So Locke has his own personality. So when the, the crime scene, he can figure out things that Spencer can't. Even though it is him, they're like two entirely different characters that exist in this world, even though one of them is entirely fictional and cannot actually do anything. So, it, he does, so the panther doesn't actually like move anything in the no, story. It's the all a fiction not of real. his imagination. But he, but he does carry around this stuffed toy in his pocket, this blue panther. That, uh, so, yeah, and we also get these Calvin and Hobbes style flashbacks where like Calvin's always getting into trouble and not doing his homework. But, so you get these like friendly cartoon style flashbacks like in the style of Calvin and Hobbes and then like something terrible happens, like his parents will lock him in a basement or whatever and things oh, like God. that. Yeah. Anyway, it's really great and I didn't realise that the second volume was out and it is. It's on Comicsology, but it's it's really worth reading. Uh, so, yeah, Mason recommended that like a year ago, but I, I thought it would be a good thing to bring that up That legitimately here. sounds like something that I would like. It's really good. 
Yeah. Maybe you should ease yourself in with Kelvin and Hobbes. Okay. I'll start then... with Kelvin and Hobbes, which reminds me of Garfield or something, but it's not. Yeah, it's not like Garfield. Like Garfield was like good at one or point. Or Peanuts. Does it have the vibe of like peanuts? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it's better Brown. than all of those. Um, and better than Snoopy. It also, it says something, like Kelvin Hobbes says things about things that you like about going outdoors and appreciating things and not getting not doing things just because everybody else does them and things like Calvin Hobbes is actually really great. Those are all my favourite things. Yeah. You say them in such a flat way. Well, the you know. The great outdoors is wonderful. You're going camping don't soon. even start, Claire. <laughs> Do not even start. You should wear your military-style boots in your cargo pants. Maybe I will. Here is the problem with cargo pants that this is another reason why you only you used to wear cargo pants all the time when we first started dating, and then you stopped wearing them because I used to come with you to buy all no. your clothes. You've only just started them again. Let me finish. The reason that cargo pants are the worst idea in the world is that if you don't like ironing, which you don't, and you don't have a wife that will do it for you, which you certainly don't, because I like to mow the lawn instead, you need to iron the pockets. And so what you no. do now is wash the pants, and now the pockets are all weird and sticky uppy. Yeah, the thing is, Claire, Mate. you don't have to iron anything, and because I don't yeah, work I a real job, I know I don't. I don't have to do jack shit, and so I don't. <laughs> I haven't picked up an I pick up an iron maybe once a year to, to iron a it, shirt mate. for for bloody for going to a wedding that I don't want to go to. Like that's the extent of my ironing, Claire. Ironing all is right. an absolute. Rot oh, and a waste of time, <laughs> and I don't know why. That's why I don't understand why you bought cargo pants because they're good and they're comfy and they're slim the fitting do and they're tapered any, at the bottom. Do you put anything in those giant? I pockets? do actually. I put my I put my wallet in there. It's better when you than sitting on your back pocket. It can throw out your spine or whatever if you do it for a long All right. time. Okay. Anyway, what's your enjoy crap your thing? cargo pants? What I've got many great things. The first of which is pizza toast. Oh, my God. You didn't invent pizza toast, I know I didn't, but I thought I did. So back in the 90s when I would come home from school and we had like tomato sauce and cheese and that was about it in the fridge, I used to toast my toast and then put tomato sauce or ketchup and then dried herbs, a bit of basil, then cheddar, and then you put it under the grill. And the whole point of it, the key is that you have to toast the bread first. It comes out like the best version of pizza, except for if you actually ordered pizza. But when you're a kid, you can't. And it's delicious and great. And for some reason, I think because I was getting sick, I had a craving for it. See, like, And I hadn't had it since like the 90s. And I made it yesterday. And it was so friggin' delicious. I took a photo and put it on Instagram. So many people Got do it. Got a big it. reaction. Turns out. Everyone's on the pizza toast bandwagon. Mm. Either like Ben Chinapan who edits for you, just put on my Twitter, oh, my God, which <laughs> means I think he's part of the generation like the millennials that never made pizza toast. He probably made pizza toast. Do you reckon? I'll ask him. I felt like he didn't. But then a lot of other people who were like of our generation It's also a good like old, student snack for when like – you broke yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's brilliant. And I mean, it was back in the day before you understood that ketchup and tomato sauce had all this sugar and yeah, salt. Yeah, you can do it with, the tomato, with the tomato paste. Oh, mate, no. Paste. Nah, you need tomato sauce. I used to do it, and I'm sure your ma- my mum has talk- spoke talking all about this. You do it on pita bread. Oh, here he goes. As, a, yes. as an alternative, which I think is much better than you toast. You used to make this thing for me when we were first dating, which I actually thought was a revelation. It was pita bread. Yeah. And then you'd put the egg with the tomato sauce and then chopped yeah, up. Yeah, you just make it like a pizza. It was like yeah. very specific and you couldn't deviate from the nah. exact recipe with cheese on top I in the oven. I figured out exactly. I figured out the order. I could still yeah. make that. It's delicious. And rue the day that I decided to add mushrooms. My mum gets fancy now because she still makes them <laughs> and like sometimes we'll come around and she's like, this one's got pesto and I'm like, put this in the bin. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. I love pesto. The idea is you use basic 
like ingredients. You don't get you don't get fancy because it's it's, it's pita bread classic. or toast. You, know you really mean? just want the crispiness, the saltiness, the acidic of the tomato sauce, and then the delicious cheese. I agree. Is there anything better than melted cheese? I don't think so. Yeah, regular cheese is pretty good. <laughs> Nah, yeah. it's got to be melt- melted. No, is- melted is definitely superior to regular cheese. Really? Depends on the context. Oh, Lord. Anyway, I'm going to continue on. So that was my recommendation for food, pizza toast, guys. Everybody knows that one already. already. You may as well have yeah, said, I recommend I know, but water most, with ice. A lot of people like, no, people were reminded. They were brought back just in similarly how you did it with your little boy and tiger nostalgia walk that you just did before. I can't remember the name of it. Hobbs? Yeah, Hobbs. Yeah, Hobbs. No, there we go. Anyway, I'm Spencer bringing back pizza toast. Anywho. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My second recommendation is a TV show that I've been watching today while I've been feeling sick. Um, and my friend Chanel recommended it to me ages ago and I was putting, you know how you kind of put it off and I finally dived in and, yeah, like the boy, lawn. it's really <laughs> like the lawn. Like the lawn, yeah. All right, here he goes. Anyway, The Good Fight. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment. I'm sure you can get it in lots of places. It's actually the sequel to The Good Wife, which I haven't watched, but I've heard is quite good. I've heard um, it's all right. Okay, yeah, well, exactly. But this, The Good Fight, is brilliant. The first opening scene is just as Trump is being inaugurated, basically. So that's kind of like the opening scene. Diane, who is played by Christine Barinsky, mm. she is brilliant, um, is watching television as he's being inaugurated. And that kind of sets the scene for the ho- the rest of the series. She's a big fan. Um, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, well, so it's set in the US, obviously, in Chicago. She loses everything in a kind of big suit. Well, not a suit. She loses everything, like all her money from a Ponzi scheme. She puts it all in a big suit and then leaves the suit. She does. She loses Yeah, she leaves the suit by the side of the road. Anyway, so she was working for this very high-powered law firm. She was like the CEO of equivalent. Anyway, and then because she she retires and then loses all her money in Ponzi scheme, she has to go back into law. And because she was embroiled in this scheme, no one will hire her. And she ends up working in an African-American firm. Right. Yeah, in Chicago, and it kind of unfolds from there. It's it's it talks a lot about politics, about race, as you know, gender, about that whole thing that you love, you know, talking about the left and the far right, and how everyone's yelling at each other, and how yep. to find a middle ground. I love it. The cast- nah, I'm, nah, I'm not not about that middle ground because the, what's the middle ground between <laughs> like the end of the world? Through global warming and just pretending it's not happening. Yeah, I, it's still like, death. I know. I, anyway, she like the cases that are brought are quite interesting in that way because it's set in that kind of yeah. post-Trump era of America. Um, there's also obviously a sexy romance I love between sexy romance. different litigators and lawyers. Ooh, there's so a lot sexy, of courtroom, so sexy courtroom Ooh. scenes. I just really like the cast is very diverse. Is um, any of and, the cast carryover from The Good Wife? 
Uh, I actually haven't seen The Good Wife. I know that Diane Krasinski is, uh, Barinsky, sorry, is from The Good Wife. Maya Rose Leslie, who is from Game of Thrones. Oh, she's the redhead. Jon Snow. What does she say? You know, you nothing, know Johnson, nothing, John Snow. They're yeah. married in that, real life. Yeah, they are. Well, she's fantastic in this. She plays Diane's um, niece. Oh, no, she, goddaughter. I heard she sucks. All right, well, I'm whatever. You don't know. There's also Erica Tazel, Kush Jumbo, Deloy Lindo are all really incredible as well. And it's just a great fun it, – it's fun, but then it also looks at some deeper issues, which are quite interesting. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm, um, I've almost finished season one. There's three seasons. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Claire, you'll appreciate this. I just saw this on my Twitter feed. Dan Andrews, who's the uh, the Premier of Victoria, said pads and tampons are essential as toilet paper and soap. And so from this week, we're supplying them to public schools free of charge. Oh, it's one of the few places in the world that does that. Brilliant. Daniel Andrews, I really like him as our Victorian Premier. I, I don't know if I like him, but I hate him less than everybody else. Okay. And that's good enough for me because you can't cool. trust them as far as you can. Well, I think them. he's done some good things. I agree. I, he tweeted recently. He's got quite a good Twitter feed. Like he's quite sort of snappy. I mean, he's got a pretty the good last thing team he, when he who announced, runs Twitter feed. Yeah, well, exactly. But, you know, still leadership top down or whatever it comes from. His tweet recently when Paul Kelly was announced as playing the grand final was, hey, Joe, this is Dan here, which is the opening line of one of his most famous songs. And I thought, that's kind of clever. I like that. Well done, his team, who thought of that. Well, Uh, anyway, a lot of them have really, like Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, you know the scandal about when his social media team... Fuck that guy All and right. everything okay. he believes. Well, anyway, he's got a terrible social media I know team. he does. Remember that ridiculous scandal with the photo where he was wearing a pair of runners. They took a family photo. <laughs> then they realised that the runners were really dirty and so they kind of superimposed these white runners over the top. But it just looked like someone had badly copy and pasted the, some the ridiculous previous, The previous photo wasn't there. even that bad. It, <laughs> no, it really no wasn't. No one would have said anything. No. You may want to get a few co- uh, comments of like, nice. No, Dunlop's idiot, but yeah. Oh my oh, god! Mate. I know, I know. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Colin, can you link that photo below, please? Because <laughs> people should check that out. It is pretty anyway, hilarious. Okay. Anyway, my anyway, next thing your is something that we we watch together. It's called Late Night. It's on, uh, I believe it's on mm-hmm. Amazon now. What is it? It's, mm-hmm. it's for home release. But basically, the focus of Late Night is it's a story that's written by Mindy Kaling. I can't remember who directed. I should have brought that up. But basically, Emma Thompson plays the only female late night host uh, in the modern day of the U.S. of America. And her show, it's kind of been going downhill for 20 years, just kind of treading water, doing your standard late night stuff of like, look at this duck, this this ducks likes other ducks. You know, they show videos of ducks often doing things. Yes. So the director, just so I Here we can, go. What is do we got? Um, Nisha Ganatra. Okay, who, right. Yeah, she's a Canadian-American film director. Excellent. Very good. But, uh, of so, Indian descent. Of Indian descent, yes. Yeah. So the idea is that because her show's going downhill, she's going to get cancelled and replaced by like, like this obnoxious comedian played by... The guy from a bunch of things. Uh, is good to. He's in something. the Mindy Project, the Mindy which Project. is one of my favorite. Really um, the Mindy Project was also written by Mindy Kaling yes, and stars her, and that's like an Baron Holtz. I want to say. Anyway, so because the the show's going kind of going downhill and she's going to get cancelled, they start just doing things that are more interesting. And off the back of that, it's because Mindy Kaling has been hired as the first. Female writer, I think, ever yes. in the history of the show. Correct. So there's a there's a writers' room. It's like twelve blokes, and they're not terrible by any stretch. White dudes, by the White way, dudes, yeah. Well. But they're not so terrible by any stretch. But it, it's just like the same voice and the same jokes and the same everything. Uh, and look, it's it's good, but I think it's really good when it focuses on the Emma Thompson character. 
and less good when it focuses on like the interns and things like that. I think maybe the focus of the movie should have really been on Emma Thompson's role in this industry because <gasps> in in the in that industry it's still a very male dominated space. I don't think there is a female late night host. No, at the moment. not, still not isn't. certainly not you're one more, that prominent. No, yeah. a late night host is more likely to call Jimmy than be female. Like, yeah, that's, just none. that's probably um, yeah, that is true. Yeah, look, it's funny. I disagree with you because I think the writers' room is actually a lived experience of Mindy Kaling. She yeah. was hired as a diversity hire, which is kind of one of the themes in the show. Mm. And it's the same. It's it's not only the late night talk show host as a woman that's unusual in this film. It's a woman and a woman of colour being on a writing staff. Most teams yes. of writers in comedy still are dudes. I agree, but I don't think it handles it very – I don't think it's a very interesting take on it at all. I don't – I think that's the that's the least interesting part of the movie because I don't think it's really saying anything we don't know uh, at this point. But, you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe yeah, like, I, look, yeah. I disagree with you. I, I mean, I listened to one of my favourite um, podcasts, The Guilty Feminist, um, Deborah Francis White hosts that and she interviewed Mindy Kaling about the film. It was only a short interview. Mm. But Deborah was saying that as a female comedian, when she was watching the film, she broke down crying because she is a producer and a film writer as well and works a lot behind the scenes in Britain particularly um, in comedy. Right. And she broke down, she said, because the way that the men speak to Mindy was so reminiscent of experiences that she's felt in comedy because they're very chauvinistic, even though they seem like – and it's interesting that no, you think that they element. seem like – like quite sort of innocuous, funny kind of laid back guys. No, I didn't. They? No, I just think they're whatever, whatever. Yeah, but no, I can. Yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. And it's right. interesting because I think when you're the minority in a room, harmless banter like that between blokes seems really innocuous and fine and funny and a bit like, oh, that was a little bit mean. Ah, well, who cares? Move move it along. But when you're the minority in a room like that it can seem a lot more hostile than maybe the people saying those things intended. Like I've felt like that internally, even though there's been absolutely no malicious intent in a room ever mm. when there's a whole room of guys and it's just me. No malicious intent at all. The guys are just joking around and it's fine. But being the only woman in a room, and then I don't, I can't speak to also being a person of colour. I can't speak, I can't speak to what that would feel like or being a minority in that way. But certainly in comedy, being the only woman in the room, you automatically feel on the back foot yeah, and right. you automatically feel like, and Mindy talks about this, that you have to prove that not only you are funny, that your entire gender is funny. Right, okay. And yeah. your entire race possibly is funny. Yeah. And if you mess up, then that's it, you're written off completely. So it's not even just that you might not be funny and you lose your job they may never hire another woman again, or they'll think twice before they yes. do. Okay. Yeah. I just I think I think that it's just not a like I don't think it's an engaging part of the story. From those things are all true. I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. But I think in terms of what the the, the story that is telling, I don't think it's the people in that narrative are particularly interesting. Is what I'm saying. I yeah, I think she deliberately wrote the male writers to be not that interesting. Yeah, which is why I'm saying the Emma Thompson stuff, where it talks about how because she's approaching sixty, you know, what I mean, she's she's been on the decline for years. She's like, if this job goes away, what do I even do? I'm not going to get another job mm. hosting late night. You know what I mean? I took this job twenty years ago and I was at the top of my game, and it's you know, and this and just, she's had to fight tooth and nail. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the other part of it. Deborah Francis White talked about, and so did Mindy in that interview that. 
Emma Thompson and Mindy represent two different sides of the same coin yes. of women in comedy. Yep. So the older female, I should sounds terrible, but the older female comedian who has had to battle and battle and battle to get there. And this might not be even represented in comedy. It could be in any industry. Women who rise to the top of their game and they're in their 60s have had to be hard as F. Yeah. Like they have fought tooth and nail and to get there. And then people are like, what a bitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they have to be but a hard the, ass to be the, taken the seriously. All the late night hosts, the, the men, like I don't know about the current crop because they're all the same guy. But, uh, <laughs> but in the past they're all like notoriously pricks, like all of them. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and there's a lot of talent there, obviously, but y- you don't really hear people talk about how Johnny Carson was a notorious prick because he was like the best, you know, yeah. and he, he was pre-Lenon, pre-Letterman or whatever. Mm. But uh, so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I think yeah. what, what here's what I'm saying, that what I think is because uh, then w- with the writer's room stuff, they go through the, okay, she's going to have a relationship with this guy and it turns out, you know, he's a jerk and, oh, they thought they had something special and then there's an, the guy that you think is a real jerk, he's not a jerk and what, like, that stuff, it's like, I don't care about any of that because I've seen it a million yeah. times. Yeah. I agree with that and, mm. like, this, and this is a spoiler alert, but the sleazy guy that hits on her that you think he's nice turns out he's also slept with yeah. Emma Thompson's character mm. and that becomes a scandal towards yeah. the end of the film. I think the inclusion of that character, I agree, it was kind of predictable. I don't think they needed to resolve it in a nice relationship yeah, bow at the end. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I wondered whether that was also studio um, intervention in the script. Who I knows? wonder. I don't know. Yeah. But it felt very Hollywood, like, oh, yeah. she has to end up with somebody. But I do think the inclusion of the sleazy guy, that's something women often encounter in the workplace. Yeah. Is that kind of sleazy guy that you think is going to be an ally and turns out to be hitting on you. Yeah. You know, so yeah, but I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a it was worth a watch, and I and Emma Thompson particularly is excellent. Really? She, you know what she yeah. she sells the late night host thing as well. Right, you wanted really to well. host yeah. a show, yeah? Like because yeah. a lot of time when you see late night like fake late night hosts or comedians, they're not very good. Like on movies, mm. you know, because there's something about taking the energy out of it when you're filming it in a different way, and you haven't had that years of experience. It just comes across as Odd, yeah, or flat. You can't. I can't think of a specific example, but but this doesn't feel like that. It feels like she's someone who's been doing this. Or also, you even get the sense of like, even when she's doing like jokes that aren't particularly good, she's good at making it look like they're not very good. Does that yes. make sense? Yes, yeah. I know. Like acting, acting within acting. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I really liked how um, they made a statement about her most of the most of the years that she was hosting the show she wasn't sort of projecting anything about her real self. It was all yes. kind of about jokes and witty banter and yeah. all that kind of thing. But now we've moved into an era where it's actually safe for her to talk about mm. being a woman in the industry, being an older woman in the industry. And I think that was really interesting yeah. because I don't think 15, 20 years ago those kind of jokes could have been said because they would have been seen as her being like a whinging woman yeah. or whatever, whereas as now after Me Too and all the things that have happened, it's a different landscape. Mm. And that actually made the show much better when she opened up about her experiences of going through, I know, menopause and all yeah. of those sort of jokes um, about women's rights and feminism, mm. all of that stuff. Yeah, I, and also Emma Thompson is just great. She's really great. Everything. Yeah. I shared with you, I know you didn't find it funny, but I shared with you that article of um, her and Hannah Gadsby drunk skipping down the street, which I just love. She was doing the robot or something. Mm. So fun. And she's great in um, Love Actually. She's really, yeah, that's an oh, astounding performance. Yeah. And she's probably good in that. 
Love Actually sequel. Oh, no, she's not in that because Alan Rickman died. They didn't do it. Another thing I thought was interesting about it, just really quickly. I know. Do you want to do one more thing, actually? Because we're, we're no, fast right, you out go. of time. Yeah. Uh, is that they talk about how if once you start getting personal and talking about things that you believe or things that you've experienced, those are things you cannot put back in the bottle mm. once happened. And I've experienced this on like a much smaller scale, like really reluctant to say anything about yourself personally or any details about your life because people – not often, but they'll try to use them against you and or you can't you, you become more vulnerable and I don't like that aspect of entertainment. But a lot of time people demand it, like people kind of want to know more about you and insist and then try to find things out about you online and then send you weird emails about things they might have found out about you and shit like that. Um, which is which happens to me every now and then and it's just it's very Unsettling. Unsettling, yeah. Yeah, mm. totally. I mean, part of it comes with the territory, right, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's about putting in your boundaries. Don't fucking do it is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah, leave you alone. I mean, I do also think there's power in vulnerability. Too. 100%. But, I really believe but there, there's there a great always, Brown talk mm, on vulnerability yeah, and but how. It, yeah. But there are people who don't get that is what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 And they don't have that. Idea of boundaries. What you're saying is you're a grumpy old man and you want everybody to leave you the F alone. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly So what you I'm can saying, wear yeah. your cargo pants and mow the lawn. These are great cargo pants and I will not hear a <laughs> word against them. All right. We're almost out of time, but I'll just quickly sneak in my Let's one. Do it. Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I've been reading a book called Poster Boy by Peter Drew. He is an Australian street artist and I'm interviewing him this week actually for suggest um not suggestible, this is suggestible for just make the thing. Yes. He is quite his images are quite famous within Australia. He tends to run campaigns where he'll poster like a thousand big posters um, around politics and identity and Australian culture. One he did was um, a massive image of Monga Khan, who is an Afghan camelier. So Australia, before we had a train that ran from Adelaide all the way up to the top of Australia, we used to have camels and cameliers and Afghan cameliers who would ride camels to, you know, move goods from the bottom of Australia to the top, which if you don't know Australia is a hugely humongous journey through desert. So camels are perfect for it. And he had under the picture of Monga Khan was the slogan Aussie. And he did that yes. with a lot of different um, sort of people from different backgrounds, all really old photos from a couple hundred years ago, sort of making a statement about Australian identity politics. He his another famous poster of his was Real Australian Say Welcome, which is just in really large letters. Anyway, the book is a memoir. It, I found it really interesting because he's quite an angry guy. He's in his 30s now. He's mm. an, he's an artist, but it was really interesting reading a book from someone who is completely different to me and who has tried to explore his own identity and he, then work through some of his own family crisis that happened to him when he was sort of younger and the family kind of secrets and things that happened to him through his artwork but in on a big scale um, on the kind of Australian cultural landscape. So he had started and the kind of era he started post-Trump and then how that kind of turned and moved forward from there. So his artwork has kind of changed and that's been really interesting, his pe- people's reaction to his artwork. He got arrested. He does a lot of – he's done a lot of kind of risky things to get his straight artwork out there. But it, I think for me the most moving part of the book was reading about his emotional – you're looking at me like, I hate No, this, I but, don't hate it at all. But no, um, I really his don't. emotional kind of realisation. And I, I feel like it speaks to a lot of young men who potentially, I think from the outside anyway, seem lost 
in culture at the moment in society yeah. and very, very well, the, angry. Like, roles are shifted or are currently shifting and there is that kind of sense of what am I supposed to do or be at this point in time yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, and he really speaks to that. I think particularly for young men it's an important book to read yeah. because he kind of talks about his father and the kind of man his father was and then how he feels he's very different to his father in lots of ways but similar, but the culture has shifted completely from when his father was growing up. And then also the culture of silence in his family so no one talked about emotions or how they felt. Oh, what a dream. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, imagine? but what it really does to a family oh my, and yeah. to relationships when you hide who you really are. You know, his brother comes yeah, out as good. gay you and, you know, I, yeah, and I just, it's totally the antithesis to what I believe, which is like put all your emotions out there all of the time. But it's interesting of all those, you know? like, not without getting into specifics of the, the things that you've talked about, I can definitely see parallels with some of those things in, in your life as well. Like, I don't think you're completely removed from some of his experiences. No, absolutely yeah. not. But I think I do have dealt with them in that, a very yeah, different I way because I'm all yeah. like emotions are things that you should talk about all the time and if you keep things hidden then they fester whereas if you get them out in the light and talk to people about them, it's so much better. Anyway, he ends up realising that love is the key to it all, oh my which God. I loved. Anyway, but it's actually not corny. Oh we're at 32 God. minutes. I'll stop talking about that book is Poster Boy by Peter Drew. Excellent. Okay, cool. well, that's the show. And look, if you want to reach the show, you can on uh, Suggestible Pod on all our uh, social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, probably. But you can also review the show via the app on your phone. You can, If you've got an iTunes app, you can do it right, well out of, right out of there. This is from Flat954. It says, well, that was surprising. After the Weekly Planet 300th episode, Suggestible auto-played, and I was too lazy to reach my phone, so I gave it a listen. And the chemistry between James and Claire was both a joy and a reality check. That I need to talk to my wife more. So there you go. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that we were reminded that you need to talk to your wife more. You should talk to your wife more. You totally should. She's awesome, I'm assuming. Even if she's a shrill nightmare. What the hell? I said if, Claire, like you. What? Yeah, I am very. No, I'm not shrill. (laughs) Bloody hell. Did you you learn nothing? I've never learned anything and I never will. Um. So, August on Twitter. Thanks, August. Hey, Suggestible Pod, thanks for some great suggestions. I think you would enjoy Rachel Monroe's book, Savage Appetites, Four True Stories of Women, Crime and Obsession. Through some fascinating interviews, Munro explores the modern appeal of the true crime genre. Excellent. Thank you so much. Anyway, you're at Claire Tonti on... Instagram and at Mr. Sunday Movies on Twitters. And I'm at Mr. Sunday Movies on all platforms. Thank you for listening to Suggestible. And remember, you don't have to mow your lawn or talk to your wife. <laughs> what? You do, however, have to eat pizza toast and wear cargo pants apparently. But if you do mow the lawn, it's a good excuse to not talk to your wife because she's this like, this has been going on for way like, too long. I can't long. anymore for the lawn mower. <laughs> right, let's end this show. All right, I need to go back to bed. I need to pick up our son from whatever that thing See is. See you later, doing. alligator. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.